Hello, you're listening to Earth Matters, produced in the studios of 3CR Radio Fitzroy, Victoria, on the lands of the Wurundjeri and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Earth Matters, we bring you environment and social justice stories. I'm Kerry Lee Harding. Coming up in this program, you'll hear how Australian plant scientist Dr Sally Norton is leading the way at the Australian Grain Seed Bank in Horsham. And you'll hear how Norton's trip went overseas to the Doomsday Vault, which is officially called the Global Seed Vault. I first asked Norton to explain a brief history of the seed bank in Horsham, Victoria. Yeah, I guess the Australian Grain Gene Bank uh, was established in 2013. and Previously, it was uh, three separate state government gene banks in Queensland, New South Wales and Victoria. And in 2012-13, it was amalgamated to form the one gene bank um, with a new facility built in Horsham. Three seed banks were formed into one. Does that mean it's a much bigger facility in Horsham? Yeah, it is a much bigger facility now. We've got around 155,000 different types of seed here uh, and around about 180,000 seed packets in here which cover off on um, all of the grain crops that grow Australia-wide. So, you know, from the very cold climates down in um, sort of Tasmania right through the top end where it's, you know, tropical and and very, very hot. Um, It includes, uh, I guess, crops such as wheat, barley, uh, sorghum, a lot of the bean types, um, oil seeds such as canola, as well as your peas, your lentils, your chickpeas uh, as well. And for those of us who may not understand, I guess, what a seed bank is for, can you explain that for us in simple terms? So the seed bank here supports the Australian grains industry by bringing in new types of seed from all around the world uh, and from and collected from within Australia that... Australia's plant researchers and breeders actually use to develop the crop varieties that are grown in the farmers' fields. Um, so the seed bank here has the history of Australian agriculture of grain crops, so material that's been grown or crops that have been grown since the late 1800s right through to the, the current day varieties in the farmers' fields and, more importantly, the parents of the varieties that will be grown into the future. I'm wondering, how have the crops changed over the years, say, from the early types from the early 1800s uh, to now, Sally? So I guess the the crops have changed over the last 100 or so years, uh, generally becoming a little bit shorter and basically being more adapted to grow in different locations within Australia. So I guess previously a lot of um, crop varieties were imported from overseas and and didn't necessarily grow as well under under the harsh Australian conditions and under our pest and disease pressure. So they've been developed over that time to be uh, a little bit shorter, uh, tolerate hotter and drier conditions, uh, be a little bit more resistant to pests and disease over time. Um, for instance, some of the really early Federation wheats from the late 1800s are really susceptible to a rust disease, which uh, is not so much of an issue in the varieties of wheat that are grown today. And you just mentioned there for seeds to tolerate drier and harsher conditions. Do the current uh, changing temperatures we're seeing across Australia getting drier, does this have an impact on the seeds you keeping there at the facility? Yeah, so a lot of the seed we have in the collection here is from different environments around the world. So hotter and drier countries, um, colder and wetter countries. Um, so the, the varieties, the older type varieties, are going to be more susceptible to the hotter, drier conditions. Um, but the whole purpose of, of having the seed bank here is actually maximising the diversity we have here so that we can maximise the chance of developing Uh, more resilient varieties that can actually tolerate changing conditions that we see from season to season here 
um, but also those expected into the future. Let's talk about heading into the future. How will this seed bank at Horsham play a role into the future? So I guess the seed we have in the collection here uh, is being looked at by researchers and breeders for specific characteristics that can help um, uh, plants produce more reliable quantity of seed, so having a more consistent yield year to year, um, but also a higher quality of seed. So that's looking at characteristics such as drought tolerance, frost tolerance, heat tolerance, cold tolerance, um, pest and disease tolerances, but as well as um, also nutritional qualities as well. So it could be for uh, markets for gluten-free products, for instance, or it could be for uh, specific, specific nutrient profiles. And can you tell me about your role, Sally, since you've been at the centre since the beginning of its development? So it's been a pretty exciting role. Um, I used to lead the tropical collection in Queensland before coming down here uh, to Horsham. Where was that based in Queensland? Uh, in Biloela in central Queensland. Oh, beautiful part of the world, yeah. Yeah, it's a lovely part of the world, mm. that. So, yeah, so um, my role now is to lead the program. So we've um, basically been combining the collections and bringing them together under one uh, management protocol, if you like, um, and also increasing our activities in making sure that we can make seed available to the researchers and breeders um, who are developing the new varieties for the future, but also making sure that we're keeping the seed alive uh, forever. Um, We don't just put seed in the fridge. We we store at minus 20 degrees here, so it's very cold. Um, And from there, we've we've got to constantly grow material out each year to make sure we keep good quantities and and good quality seed so that they're able to be grown out um, and used by researchers. You've just recently returned from overseas. Can you tell us about your trip to what they uh, call the Doomsday Vault Deposit for Seeds? Yeah, so we um, we were lucky enough to participate in the 10-year anniversary events for the Svalbard Global Seed Vault or the Doomsday Vault in the media. Um, and part of our normal operations is that we back our material up so we put a safely, safety duplicate um, into another gene bank around the world. Uh, Svalbard is the, the place where we put uh, most of the global collections, most of the global seed banks put their material. So we took uh, about nearly 9,300 uh, different types of seed over this year, uh, which represented the history of Australian agricultural grain crops. So a lot of the, the wheat um, and pulses and legumes and cereals, other cereals as well, that have been grown throughout history in Australia. So it was really important for us to back those up into Svalbard so they weren't lost. Most certainly. And if they weren't backed up and we perhaps through some circumstance may have lost the seeds here, that would really be the end of those grains. Is that right? Yeah, yeah that's right. So it's always important to have a safely duplicate because if something does happen, I mean, we're, we are pretty stable here in, in terms of um, civil unrest, um, which unfortunately has to have devastating impacts on some gene banks around the world, such as Syria. Um, but if there was a, a flood or a fire that came through and we lost some of our material that way or we just lost it in the gene bank in terms of it wasn't able to grow anymore, really important to have that backup reserve of seed. Um, as well as Svalbard, we also back up within Australia. It's a lot easier to get material back from uh, within Australia than from overseas. Um, but, yeah, vital vital importance to actually have our material backed up so we, we can actually go back to it if, if need be. So I guess now you're feeling some sense of relief that you've taken these some nine some nine thousand uh, seeds over there and they're backed up. Yeah, I mean <laughs> it's always it's always a lovely feeling um, making sure that something is safe. Um, yes. But I think the actual opportunity to participate uh, with twenty two other gene banks from around the world uh, mm. in the events last week were 
just amazing and to be surrounded by the world and cultural diversity and mm. history. You're listening to Earth Matters and broadcast on the Community Radio Network with me, Kerry Lee Harding. And today you're listening to our guest, Dr Sally Norton, and we're yarning about the Australian Grain Seed Bank in Horsham and the Global Seed Bank Vault. You visited the remote seed vault in remote Norwegian archipelago Salvad. Can you explain the environment in which this seed bank is positioned and what was it like being there? Can you describe the surroundings for us? Yeah, well, I guess when you um, land into Svalbard, it, it's, you know, it's in the Arctic. It's you know, a lot of snow, a lot of ice. Uh, when you land in and you look up onto the, the, I guess, the hills behind, there's just a wedge sticking out of the side of the mountain and it just glows and glistens. It's, you know, it's a beautiful piece of um, architecture and that's the vault. You can see it from, uh, you can see the entranceway from, from the airport. You can see it from quite a few areas around around uh, the island. Mm. Um, when you actually go up to the vault, it, it's, you know, it's really quite an amazing piece of, piece of work and, and when you open the doors, you go down, it's about 120 metres down a tunnel to the actual storage chambers um, and, yeah, just... Uh, a lot of ice, quite cold, as you would expect. It's in the permafrost, so it's always at minus five, um, regardless. And they're conditioned down to minus 18 in the storage chambers. There's there's three chambers where seed, seed is stored. Uh, and currently, I think they've just taken the one millionth seed line into the gene bank in this deposit this year. Um, so, you know, we could have made the one millionth deposit I guess that's amazing uh, yeah and there, you know, when you walk into the actual storage chambers themselves it's just boxes and boxes of seeds from all around the world just all stacked in there nice and neat um, so when you walk down an aisle you can be walking past material from uh, the US can be from you know Ekata that was in Syria but it's now based out of Morocco uh, you've got material from India um, North Korea Russia uh, everywhere basically um, it's a pretty amazing experience. And this secure vault, of course, helps not only our food security into the future, but the world's, doesn't it, Sally? So it does. It, there's seed deposited there from, I think, nearly every country around the world, uh, represented by different national gene banks and state-run gene banks. The history of, of agricultural plant species that, that can be stored under those conditions, so it'd be you know, pasture grasses, pasture legumes, through the grain crops, through the trees. It's, it's quite amazing um, what's actually there and what it actually represents. It's the only thing I know of that is for the greater good. Uh, there's no politics involved in, in any of this at all. It's just there for the greater good of humanity for uh, food security, basically. Take me back to the first time where you wanted to work in this area and how did that come about for you as uh, a scientist, Sally? I guess when I was finishing my undergraduate studies, I, I applied for a job which sounded really quite intriguing in, in a gene bank. And, um, you know, this is going back 20 years and, and, you know, finding information on the internet then was a little bit more challenging than, than today. Um, everything's available on the web these days, whereas back then it was a bit harder to find some information. So it was quite intriguing. I um, was lucky enough to, to get that role um, up there and, and worked principally um, in Australian native uh, wild species, so they're, they're species that are related or, or types of plants that are related to the cultivated uh, crops. So really quite passionate about the wild types, uh, more, uh, 
you know, in, in conjunction with everything else. Mm. And just sort of worked my way through to the point where I got the opportunity to lead that program up there and then, yeah, got you know, the, the amazing opportunity to lead the program down here. So it's been a, a pretty fun ride, I think, in terms of working with some really, really different plant material. Um, you know, the wild types and the land race material, or the, the old developing country village varieties, if you like, are always so much more diverse and really more, much more interesting than, than the cultivated crop types, which are much more uniform. I'm wondering, can you tell us about the team that worked there with you at the Australian Seed Bank in Horsham? And what do they do? What's their role? So I, I lead um, a fantastic team here at the Gene Bank. Um, we've got a couple of scientists here who are working on seed storage, um, how to make sure that we actually can prolong the life of these seeds for um, you know, as long as we possibly can. You know, we've got, you know, for instance, wheat in here could last 100 years in potentially. Um, chickpeas could potentially last three or 400 years based on research coming out of the US. But with a lot of our wild-type material here, we don't really know uh, its storage behaviour, so they're looking at that. Uh, they're also looking at genetic relationships um, and genetic identity to make sure that we're keeping pure lines here. Um, and then I've got a range of technical staff here who do the bulk of the actual hands-on work where they're... Um, processing material into the seed bank, which means foiling it up into into foil aluminium foil packets and making sure it has its place in the freezer, uh, to subsampling packets for sending out to researchers and breeders throughout Australia, um, as well as subsampling to actually grow material out at Horsham here in the field or in Queensland for the tropical uh, material. We don't quite have the environment here in Horsham to to grow the tropicals out very well. Uh, and, and importantly as well, we've also got people who maintain databases because obviously there's a lot of information associated with um, the seed line um, and so that's a pretty important part of what we do. In your recent trip overseas to the World Seed Bank Vault, you met with other researchers and scientists from all around the world who pretty much do the same thing as what you do here in Australia but in their own countries. What was so fascinating about getting together with this group of like-minded people? I guess the opportunity to actually catch up and sit down and have some really great conversations with the international gene bank or seed bank community um, is always good. I mean, in Australia, we have two seed banks and we're, you know, very, uh, very small number of people and we, we, you know, we know each other quite well uh, as a team, uh, as two teams. Um, but talking with the people who run gene banks all around the world, talking with the funding bodies um, and the people who govern how gene banks work internationally, it's always a great way to actually learn about new things, exchange ideas, um, have a good chat about basically um, what the seeds represent. Um, it's always you know, a really, really fun time. And I think this time too, they did the first, um, the Crop Trust ran the first Legacy Awards and they awarded um, prizes to, I think it was nine individuals from around the world who've had um, an amazing contribution to um, plant genetic resources and, and seed banks um, mm. over their, their lifetimes, basically. So it was really wonderful experience to actually be able to participate in, in the ceremony that just recognised the outstanding work these people have been doing. I find this subject very fascinating. As I was a young girl, it was my mother who would uh, collect seeds in um, all sorts of jars and uh, keep them stored. And I'd sort of often ask mum what she was doing. And she said, uh, she'd tell me, oh, you never know, we might run out of seeds one day, so I'm keeping them, she would tell me. <laughs> was she uh, spot on the mark there? I think it's always good to sort of preserve the seeds that you're using. And, and I had the same experience growing up. We used to save seeds from, from the veggie patch each year for some of the, some of the um, things. And I do that with my kids today. It's always 
a really important thing for people to understand that even though we have seed banks here, there's always a role for, for people to do their own thing um, at home just so that they're you know, able to maintain their own seed banks at home. I'm wondering, do you have any relationships with any of the Aboriginal traditional owners from around Australia in relation to the seed bank? So we, although we have Australian um, native wild relatives from, from Northern Australia and some from Victoria and New South Wales as well, um, we don't necessarily have traditional knowledge linked with those um, seed collections. What we're doing now, we've got a, a new project which will start up um, later this year where we're actually engaging with Indigenous land managers and landowners mm. um, for the collection of uh, crop wild relative wild species, basically, or wild plant types. Um, this year will be Northern Australia, um, probably Northern Territory. Mm. Uh, so we're actually working a lot more closely with the, the Indigenous land managers because they have such an intrinsic understanding of the landscape and the species and, and how to manage them over time. So such an important opportunity to really capture a lot more information and knowledge around um, where these um, plant types actually exist. Um, we've got you know, only a few records for some of the plant types we have here in the collection. Um, from around Australia, but with in Indigenous um, participation, I'm, I'm sure that there'll be a lot more. We've got two seed banks here in Australia. Are they run pretty much like the others uh, conducted overseas? Yeah, so most international gene banks operate under the International Treaty for Plant Genetic Resources for Food and Agriculture, which is a really long, long name, but that basically governs the way we access uh, material from, from gene banks around the world and how we can distribute um, material around the world and within Australia. So there's pretty strong governance around that. And then on top of that, uh, there's also the international gene bank standards as well. So most gene banks are trying uh, adhering as closely as they can to those, and in Australia we, we're the same. So I'd say the, the larger um, gene banks around the world are all operating uh, towards the same, same standards and same governance standards as well. Do you get to meet these international colleagues from time to time at conferences and such? Yeah, so we... we managed to catch up every few years I think as a, as a broader group um, with the International Gene Bank Managers Meeting which is basically a, a CGIAR run uh, meeting. Every other year or so the Australian groups get the opportunity to participate and that's held um, in different countries around the world each year. Uh, we're lucky enough that a couple of years ago it was, was held here, um, hosted by my gene bank uh, here in Horsham and in Melbourne so it was a pretty amazing opportunity. And what was that like? That would have been quite incredible to have everybody from overseas come here and see your new seed bank. Yeah, it was pretty pretty special time. You know, you're always sort of looking at how you're doing things and, and how you're running um, your centre. So to actually have, uh, I would say, some of the world-leading uh, experts in gene bank management come through and, and you know, have a really good chat with us about how we're doing things and, you know, it was, was pretty pretty rewarding, actually, um, to, to hear uh, that we're you know, doing, you know, my team is doing such a great job in, in making sure we're maintaining the collection as we need to. You mentioned earlier that the seed bank, they're not political, which is really good, but how do you get funding? We're lucky that we have really good funding provided through a partnership of Victorian State Government and the Grains Research Development Corporation. And so with that funding, we actually are able to operate the gene bank to uh, a level that provides material upon request to Australia's research and breeders. Um, and that basically enables um, new grain crop varieties to be developed for uh, across Australia, uh, which basically underpins the development um, of those new grain crops uh, and which supports the Australian grains industry um, through the gene bank. So it's a pretty, pretty fantastic um, opportunity to be involved in such a broad-reaching program. 
You've been listening to Earth Matters and broadcast on the Community Radio Network with me, Kerry Lee Harding. And today on the program, we've been yarning on the Australian Green Seed Bank in Horsham and the Global Seed Bank Vault with my guest, Dr Sally Norton. To hear this program and others from our Earth Matters team, the various podcasts can be downloaded from 3CR Radio Community website at 3crearthmatters.org.au. Earth Matters is produced in the studios of 3CR in Fitzroy, Victoria, on the lands of the Wurundjeri, and is broadcast nationally across the country on community radio stations thanks to the Community Radio Network. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Federation for their generous financial support. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or visit our Facebook page, Earth Matters 3CR Radio. You can also follow us on Twitter at EarthM Radio. Well, that's all for today. I do hope you've enjoyed listening to the program. Thanks for your company. And the Earth Matters team will be back again next week with more deadly green social justice news from all over this awesome planet. I'll see you next time.